as we look this morning uh, at our text and we consider this morning uh, the mission of Victory Baptist Church uh, to make disciples of Jesus Christ, I think it's imperative that we understand what is a true biblical disciple. Disciple is something that can be defined in many numerous ways. Uh, and so and it's something that it's a term that has been around for a very, very long time. Uh, and so when we look this morning, and we're going to begin here in Matthew chapter 28, we are going to look at several other passages this morning. Uh, and so I would challenge you to jot some notes down. You should have received a handout in your bulletin as you came in this morning uh, to make that a little bit easier. Uh, and so I encourage you to do that. <clears throat> in our opening text, Jesus starts here by declaring his authority. I want you to notice in verse number 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. It's interesting that he starts with such a statement because uh, he's there, he's been with them, they have seen him now in his resurrected state. It's obvious that he is more than a mere man, that he in truth is God, and they have been exposed to him in this group that he speaks to uh, in a way that would make that indisputable. But yet still he finds it necessary to introduce this by stating that he has authority. So why is that important? I believe that important because of the reason that if someone gives me a command but has no authority, then the command is meaningless. If someone issues a command to me uh, that has no authority in my life, then I am under no obligation to comply. I have no reason or no, uh, no longing even to uh, please them or to uh, appease them or to make them feel as if I've done what they've told me to do. And so Jesus starts here with a group of people who know the sacrifice that he just made, who have seen his power demonstrated in the resurrection and in his presenting to him, himself to them uh, throughout the, the days since. And he comes here now <coughs> as he's nearing his ascension into heaven, and he says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Notice the next statement, go ye therefore. I have authority, go. Now, we hear that all the time in our churches. We preach soul winning and winning souls and carrying the gospel to the lost. And, uh, and I made that point this morning in the Sunday school hour. But I want you to consider this morning that we lack severely in the fourth step of true uh, Great Commission Christianity. Uh, and as we see it here, Jesus, as our rightful God authority, says, I have power. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Mark says, preach. And essentially it is to declare the truth of the gospel. And so when I go out and the step one of the Great Commission is to declare the gospel to those that do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, how can someone that knows or feels there's a void in their life understand and know what's missing if they do not know who Jesus is and they do not know what God has done for them or why it's important? All of that factors into the gospel. I think uh, it's been surprising to me uh, in the last several years at how much more frequently or how much more often I have to begin to share the gospel with someone uh, with the, the Garden of Eden. Because they simply have no concept of understanding, okay, it's great that Jesus did this, but why do I need it? 
And we have to go all the way back oftentimes to the beginning of man and man's fall to understand why it's necessary. So we go and we preach and teach the gospel. When someone trusts Jesus Christ as their Savior, we teach them that they are to identify themselves with Christ and to demonstrate what that means in baptism. In other words, we uh, compel someone to be baptized because God has commanded it, but it's an identifying and a commitment that we make to Christ and that the old man is dead. <clears throat> and when the old me that needed to be saved has been reconciled to God, then the old flesh, the old will, the old man needs to die. And that's symbolized when we go under the water. That's why we baptize by immersion because it's a picture of what Jesus did. He hung on the cross and he died and then he was buried and so we show that as Jesus was buried our old man too is dead and buried and as Jesus rose from the grave so we are resurrected uh, as we come out of the water to live a new life in Jesus Christ that's baptism we do that uh, we have churches all across the world that are good at uh, going and telling and baptizing but what about next what happens now and I think that in our churches in many ways and we've been trying to address this over the last several years uh, with discipleship uh, courses and uh, and things that we've done uh, but he says there notice that he says go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things Whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So Jesus says, I'm your authority. Go, preach, baptize, now teach, or make disciples of those who have been baptized. And so bring them along. Nurture them in their faith. Feed the hunger that they have in their soul that just like a newborn baby has when it comes home from the hospital to nurse from its mother and to consume. Uh, so does a new Christian have a desire to consume the truth of God's word. And we are and it's incumbent upon us that we do not derelict, grow derelict in our duty to see things through with people so that they are taught and nurtured in the cause of Christ. And that's what Victory Baptist Church is about. That's what uh, this year is about, bringing us on in focus, in mission, so that every element of our church, every ministry of our church is driven by this understanding that we do what we do for the concept of helping people come to Jesus Christ, that we might see them baptized, added to the church, and growing in their faith and developing until they in turn are an active part of the body that is doing the same. That's the Great Commission. We, we emphasize and we work hard at the early parts, uh, but then we miss uh, the latter parts. And so as we start this morning uh, and we consider here uh, that we are uh, making a uh, disciple. And so a little bit of this, and now we're going to go through our mission statement again. So if you were in the Sunday school hour, I want to take a moment and just reinforce that so that we as a church understand. If you came in in between the Sunday school hour and church, you're kind of caught up a little bit as to uh, about where we're going and what our goals are for the year. Uh, we look here in our opening text, and I would add this before we read the statement. Uh, that the Great Commission can be summed up this way uh, from Jesus. As I reproduce myself in you, allow me to reproduce myself through you. That's what the Christian life should be. 
It's not about me going out and making a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's about Jesus Christ living vicariously through me so that He is reproducing Himself in someone else's life by what He's done in our life. And so if I were to, uh, to, to question the Lord or interview the Lord here, uh, I think that He would say something along those lines. As I have reproduced myself in you, allow me to reproduce others through you. And so I must be yielded to Him. Now what is our church mission statement? Victory Baptist Church exists. To glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ. I, I really, I want that as a pastor to be on everyone's heart and mind. I, I want anyone that comes in, uh, that we have some, some folks that are new to our church this morning, that if they were to come for the first time, say a month from now, and they were to just casually ask someone that greeted them in the parking lot of the lobby, hey, what is your church about? That the answer without us even thinking about it, it's about making disciples of Jesus. That's what we're here for. That's what our goal is. Now, how do we do that? We do this by glorifying God through corporate worship, by evangelizing the lost through redemptive relationships. You saw an example of a redemptive relationship this morning uh, in the video as we began the message, and equipping the church through Bible teaching and preaching. So we must be continually challenged by the Word of God, encouraged by the Word of God, trained to, to hone our skills to be more effective in what God has given us to do. And that's part of the process and, what the, and part of the reason for the church. And so we want to be busy doing that. Now, we covered that in depth in the Sunday School Hour this morning. So as we look at this now this morning, I want to really focus on what is a disciple. Okay, Pastor, uh, you said this morning that our uh, our mission, uh, we understood and took some time to examine the word mission. What is a mission? Uh, we've been empowered by Christ to a specific task. That's our mission. That task is to make disciples. So if I'm going to do and fulfill my mission, I have to understand uh, what it is to be a biblical disciple. Disciple is the term that is used, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of different ways. Uh, it has been most often used and described as a follower or a student of a teacher, leader, or philosopher. You see it in the ancient world uh, applied to men like Plato or Socrates or Confucius. Uh, you could apply it to many others. Those are just a few simple examples. Their followers could legitimately, by definition, be called disciples. Why? Because they have learned the teachings of that philosopher and they have bought into those teachings and they have attempted to carry out and live those teachings and pass them on to another. And when that philosopher died, they did not say, okay, my philosopher has died, so now I have to go and find a new philosopher. No, they believed in what that man taught and stood for, so they continued to follow. And the same way we are to be disciples of Jesus Christ, the difference is, is that these men taught their own ideas and opinions that were relevant to their culture, and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so we want to be disciples, true disciples of Jesus, because Jesus is the truth. I'm a person that believes firmly that truth is absolute. I know that we live in a time where everyone wants to think that truth is relative and the truth according to this person or that group or whatever you think or believe to be true is what will be true for you. But that simply biblically is incorrect. There's only one truth. Without an absolute truth, everything else uh, crumbles. And so we have to have absolute truth. I believe by faith uh, that Jesus Christ is that truth. And so as we look at these, and we're going to look at in, in much more depth in the weeks to come uh, at some of these concepts. I'm just trying to introduce some things this morning. Uh, but as if in the June 2018 edition of Table Talk magazine, a pastor there uh, by the name of Anthony Carter defined uh, a disciple in this way. He said, a disciple is a student 
one who dis disciplines himself in the teaching and the practices of another. I'm going to read that again. I think it's profound. A disciple is a student, who, one who disciplines himself in the teaching and the practices of another. So if I'm going to truly become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, then I must discipline myself in the practices and teaching of his teaching. A disciple is not someone who merely acquires information about Jesus, nor is a disciple uh, one who carries on a casual relationship with his teacher. A disciple seeks to learn, embracing the teaching and implementing that which is learned, thus becoming a version of his teacher. So in order for me to become a true disciple of Jesus, and I, there's a lot of arguments and there are people that write articles and have written articles that uh, that every person that's trusted Jesus as their Savior is a disciple. And in some manner of definition, that can be true. But I'm not talking about a casual definition. I'm talking about a true, legitimate, biblical identity as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, biblically, there are varying degrees of disciples in the New Testament that are demonstrated. There are some who, whenever things got hard, they fled away, yet the Bible still referred to them as a disciple. They were a follower of Jesus and his teaching. What I am hoping and praying is that God will allow us as a church to become a people who are not simply uh, half and or quasi committed disciples that we are fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's true discipleship. True discipleship happens whenever I not only learn about him, but I live what I've been taught. I live what I've learned. I live what he's demonstrated for me in his own life. And we're going to spend much time in the weeks ahead examining the life of Jesus and how he interacted with his disciples and with the world around him and how he did ministry personally. Uh, and so uh, I wanted to be clear this morning, though, that, that simply acquiring information about Jesus does not make one a viable disciple. Anyone can learn. The, the, Satan knows and trembles. Uh, it's not a matter of just acquisition of, of knowledge. We're good at accumulating knowledge. We have instant access to almost anything that we could ever want to know about uh, through, <coughs> through our cell phones and computers today. It truly is an amazing time uh, to live as far as learning information, acquiring information. But there are a lot of people that can acquire information and never have the ability to skillfully use the, the knowledge that they've learned. We have to learn to be skilled followers of Jesus, to be the fruit of his workmanship as is described in uh, Ephesians chapter number 2. And as we come together and we understand that a real disciple will not only learn but embrace the teaching and implement it into their life, becoming then in time a version of the teacher. By the way, we want to become a version of Jesus. We want to have Jesus living through us. The only way that we'll ever be accepted by the world around us as authentic believers is if Jesus is seen and living through us. In the book of Acts, they were called disciples first at Antioch. Why? Because they lived like Christ. It was meant as a slight, as a mockery, but in time became a defining characteristic of their lives that they were called Christians because they lived like Jesus. That's what should define us. That's what should define the ministry of our church. And so the essence of the Christian life is that we become like Jesus. 
that we go, teach, baptize, and train. Not because we are commanded, but because it is the essence of who we are and of what we've become. See, if I just follow a command, then making disciples becomes uh, more of a program. That's not what we're interested in here. Not interested in a program. I'm not interested in uh, in uh, something that is just kind of churned out and is a, uh, a puppy mill or a mechanical maker of people that have knowledge about Jesus. What we're looking for is authentic Christianity in our own hearts and lives that are so that is so compelling to those that we come in contact with that they they don't understand maybe it, but they uh, that what they understand is that they know that there's something going on in that person's heart and life that is appealing to me, and I need to learn more about. That's authentic Christianity when Jesus is living through us. And so when we look here, uh, we're talking about that once when this process of disciple making becomes who we are, it's just what we are naturally. It's not something that we have to really think about. It's not something that we have to challenge ourselves with. It's not something that we have to be uh, confronted with in preaching and in programs and in opportunities that are created through the church calendar. It, it just is who we've become as we interact with people in this world. We're always praying, God, lead me to that person that's searching for you. God, lead me, put in my path someone that I can that I can enter into a relationship in which I can eventually lead them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Uh, that I can help cultivate and develop a walk with God in their life, not because I forced it upon them, but because God has united and connected our hearts together. It's the essence of what we are. And so as we look at this this morning, three primary thoughts here about what is really a disciple biblically. And I, this is not meant this morning to be exhaustive. Uh, this is just simply, as I said earlier, an introduction to this concept. Three primary things that we see about disciples, uh, and we're going to look at several different passages here as we work our way through this. I would say, first of all, this morning, it's important, important that we note that a disciple listens. A disciple listens. A disciple is not the teacher. He is not the mentor. He is the mentee. <clears throat> and if we were to put the discipleship relationship, the discipler and disciple Eve relationship within the local church into a modern context, that's the way it would look and the way that we think about it. It would be mentor-mentee. I've, I've entered into a relationship with someone and they are interested in studying the word of God with me. I am going to mentor them to Jesus. They are going to be committed to the process so that they can learn. But learning is not enough. There must be life change. Life change is a supernatural act of God. It cannot be manufactured by man. So as we look here, we have, we have to note that a disciple listens. I want you to look back at Matthew chapter 17. And verse number five, <clears throat> Matthew chapter number 17 and verse number five, the Bible says there, while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and behold a voice out of the cloud, which said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. So what does God tell us to do? What did God tell them to do? Hear him. Jesus is speaking. Listen. The discipleship begins with listening. If I think that I've got all the answers, 
If I think that I know everything there is to know about the Word of God, about Jesus, about a relationship with Him, then I can't learn. I can't grow. I am stifled. I'm cut off at where I am. I can never go any farther. If I believe that I have all the answers, listen, I've been a pastor for well over 15 years. I've been in full-time ministry for over 20. And if I've learned anything, it's that I'm not always right and I don't have all the answers. I still have much to learn. I still have much to learn about Jesus. I still have much to learn about the disciplines of the Christian life. I still have many areas in my own life in which I need God to lead me and to intervene and to grow me and to change me that I might become more effective in the service of the King. That is a lifelong process. I don't want to get bound up and hindered by pride and thinking that, hey, I've got this figured out. I've got a handle on it, which means I have to be quiet and listen to what God has to say to me. I need to be still and listen when I read and pray at home. I need to be still and listen when the Word of God is preached. I need to be still and listen when I'm out seeking the Holy Spirit's leadership and guidance through my life. I need to be still and listen when a rebuke comes, perhaps from a brother or sister in Christ or from spiritual leaders that God has put in my path. I, I must understand that a, disciple's, uh, that a disciple listens. First thing in your outline there, as far as a subpoint here, I would say this. I cannot learn if I will not hear. I cannot learn if I will not hear. You'd be surprised at how many times uh, people come to church and the pastor starts preaching. And as soon as it gets to something that they think they've either got all figured out or, or that they're more of an authority than they take the pastor to be. Or they just don't simply want to be challenged in that area of their life and they get mad. They don't like it. They just turn the off switch on. They just, they just tune them out. I'm done. I'll reconnect when you get back on something that's a little bit more friendly to my hearing. Listen, if I'm not willing to listen, I can't, I can't learn. I will not learn if I will not hear. Not only that, who I listen to makes all the difference. Who I'm listening to makes all the difference. <clears throat> I don't have much time. Uh, time is limited in all of our lives. I don't have time to waste listening to people that are that are uh, that are preaching and teaching a false gospel. I don't have time uh, to get all wrapped up into debate uh, about things that someone's tried to convince me about uh, that I know to be biblically wrong. Uh, and I, I'm just not going to spend time arguing. If I'm out, if I'm out basically knocking on someone's door and someone wants to argue with me about what I believe, they're not really seeking a truthful answer. They're trying to convince me. I don't have time for that. My time is precious. Time is life. And God's given me something to do. I'm not going to enter into that argument. I'm going to be polite. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to dismiss myself from the situation. I'm going to move on. Uh, but there are times when someone is genuinely seeking. And if that requires copious amounts of time, the, the truth might be communicated because they have a hunger and a desire to sincerely know the truth uh, with a willingness to let God change their life when the case is made uh, from the Bible, then I've got all, I'll make all the time in the world for that. Who I listens to makes all the difference. Be careful who you listen to. I've always been taught that it's the, the you know the most defining things in your life are or uh, uh, who you read and uh, and who you listen to and who you define all those things. And I, I think that who I allow to influence me is is one of the most, if not the most, important things in my life. Who am I going to allow to influence my life? Is my heart open to God speaking to me? A disciple listens. Secondly, consider that a disciple learns. A disciple learns. Notice in Matthew chapter number 11. Matthew chapter uh, number 11 and verse uh, 28 there. Matthew... <clears throat> 
chapter 11 and beginning in verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. May I say this morning that when we try to carry the load of life on our own, that it becomes very burdensome. When we try to do the work of God in the power of our own flesh without God's help and assistance and guidance and leadership, it becomes overwhelming and even crushing in our soul and in our spirit. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Let me carry the load. Let me guide you. Let me invest in you. Let me lead you. But learn of me. Don't just let me lift your load and float along. Learn. The burden's been lifted. The, the, the comfort has been given. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What I'm saying this morning is simply this, that a disciple must learn. What do I have to learn? Well, I would say that it begins by learning to follow. <clears throat> One of the great challenges is swallowing our pride and humbling ourselves and yielding ourselves to the Word of God, to the work of God, and to the, to the Savior that God has given us. I must learn to follow. In Mark chapter 1, and verse number 17, Jesus comes to them, and Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. Do you not find it interesting that the very first thing that Jesus says to them is the very last thing that Jesus says to them? Come unto me and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. All power is given unto me. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. What did he say? Come unto me and I will teach you to be a fisher of men. What's the last thing he said before he went to heaven? Go and fish for men. Go and do the work that I've given you to do. Go and do what I've invested three and a half years training you to do. Go and do what I've been spent three and a half years demonstrating for you how it's to be done, how it's to work. A disciple must listen. He cannot learn if he will not hear. And I have to listen to Jesus or I will be led astray. A disciple learns. And the first thing that I must learn is I must learn how to follow. Notice in verse uh, verse number 24 of Mark chapter 1 uh, as he finds another one of the men saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? <clears throat> Thou art come to destroy us. I know thee who thou art, the Holy One uh, of God. Uh, and so as we uh, look here, Mark chapter, in, in Mark chapter 1, he continues on, uh, and then he finds another one, and, and they tell him, it tells him the same thing. Come and follow me. Notice in John uh, chapter 1 and verse number 43. John chapter 1 and verse number 43. When Jesus says unto them there, the day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, follow me. What are we supposed to learn to do? Learn to follow. I have to learn to follow. Follow requires humility. It requires learning. It requires the things that he's said in parts. Not only must I learn to follow, but I must learn doctrine. Doctrine is the principal thing. We're not learning philosophy. We're not, uh, we're not committed and bound by a philosophical path. Uh, we are not bound by cultural whims. We are bound by the doctrine, by the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice, if you will, in, in uh, John chapter 1 and verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace 
and truth. In verse number 17, for I was, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. John chapter number five, uh, in verse number 33, uh, he continues by, uh, that theme by saying this, uh, ye sent unto, ye sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. But I received not testimony from man, but these things I say that ye might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, uh, and ye ye were willing for a season to rejoice in this light. Uh, and so he continues on by telling them that Jesus Christ is the truth uh, that comes in verse 33. He says, I come in my father's name and ye will receive an if and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, ye will receive him. Jesus came. Jesus came as truth. Jesus came as the one uh, to make a difference in our life. In John uh, chapter 8 and verse 32, he says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Jesus is that way, truth, and life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by him. In John 14 and verse 6. In John chapter 17 uh, and verse number 17, he said, Sanctify them through truth. Thy word is truth. Listen, if I would learn to follow, uh, if I would learn, uh, then I must learn doctrine. I must learn the truth of God. I must learn its precepts. I must learn its principles. I must learn its teaching. I must live by the tenets of the faith that it sets forth for me. Our true disciple this morning listens, and a true disciple this morning learns, but it's not enough to just hear, and it's not enough to just learn the information. It must be lived. And what we see here is that a disciple lives. He lives what he's learned. In Acts chapter number 6, <clears throat> and we've uh, been preaching from there. We'll be uh, back there in chapter 6, 7 tonight. And verse number uh, 7. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Where does true discipleship come in? When I humble myself and I begin to listen. When I begin to train and to learn and to uh, buy into the truths that have been taught uh, by Jesus. And then when I begin now to live out that truth that he has disseminated into my heart and to my life. What he has learned. Many of them learned. A disciple lives what he's learned. How do I do that? Well, first I do that in living by faith. Living by faith. I, I, it's listen, I can't wait until I understand everything there is to know about everything before I begin to live it and get anywhere for God. We are to not walk by sight, we're to walk by faith. We're to not live by not the wisdom of the world, but to live by the wisdom of God. And in John chapter 2 and uh, verse number 5, <clears throat> he comes out and says, uh, and that's Luke, John chapter 2 and verse number 5. As we come and we look at what God uh, has given us to do. He says, His mother said unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Jesus there performing his verse miracle at Canaan. And he gets the men together and tells them, Hey, go and fill the water pots. I'm going to turn those into wine at the wedding. And he goes out and they don't understand what he's trying to tell them to do. It doesn't make sense to them. How could it make sense to them? And what did Mary come along and said? She just said, Just do what he says. Just trust him. And that's the essence of the message. You don't try to understand it. Just trust Him. Now listen, there are a lot of things in the Christian life that I didn't understand when I began my journey that I understand now, but there's still a lot of things that I don't quite understand. 
But I have learned over the years that it's best, even when I don't understand, to just trust Him. If God's told me to do something, if God's laid something on my heart to do, if God has laid forth a path, even if I don't understand it, if it falls in lines of the teachings of His Word, and it does not contradict what God has set forth in the Scripture, then the best thing that I could do is to just follow what God has told me to do. Well, Pastor, what if you never figure it out? Then I never figure it out, but at least when I stand before Him, He'll, he'll praise me for being obedient. And God will use my life along the way. A disciple lives by faith. Trust comes before understanding. A love for God drives us and compels us to live out our love for our teacher. And that's what a disciple does. A disciple lives out his love for a teacher. In John uh, chapter number 14 and verse uh, number 21, the Bible says there, And he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself upon him or unto him. I will make myself prominent in his life. I will make myself on display through his life. I will do and you love me and live through me. In verse number 23, he says, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and he will come unto him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. In John chapter 15 and verse 10, he says, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. And so as we come this morning and we consider what is it, Pastor, to be a disciple, great. The mission of our church is to make disciples. What are we making? What must I become that God might use me to make it in someone else? And the answer is this. A disciple of Jesus Christ who has listened to the Lord Jesus Christ, who has learned about the Lord Jesus Christ, and who is actively living out in their life what God has taught us, not because we have to, but because we love Him and we seek to please Him. We follow Christ to be like Christ. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, follow me as I follow Christ. We're not to be blind followers of, uh, of man or of, uh, of earthly principles, but followers of Jesus. And as Jesus gives us people in our life that help us grow, we must follow them so long as they're following Christ. When they divert from the teachings of Scripture, when they divert from the principles of His love, then we must uh, divorce ourselves from those relationships and move back into healthy ones. We follow Christ to be like Christ. Discipleship requires discipline. It requires commitment and sacrifice. It's not something that uh, will always come easily. Jesus has given much for you. He demands much from you. So, Pastor, I thought salvation was free. It is free. But that doesn't mean that once you've trusted Jesus Christ as, as your Savior and become His child, that He doesn't have some expectations from you. Hey, listen, we have four, my wife and I have four children. We have expectations from them. We had tremendous expectations when they were growing up in our home, and now that they're adults, we still have expectations for them. We expect them to be faithful to the truths that we taught them as they grew up in our home. We expect them to be faithful to the God that they serve, not because it's our expectation, but because they have a love for God instilled in their heart. What I'm saying this morning is that uh, that true discipleship requires commitment and sacrifice on the part of the believer. Luke chapter 9 uh, in verse number 23, Jesus didn't pull any punches whenever he uh, whenever he laid out the, the truth and the uh, and the principle of it. Uh, in Luke 9:23, uh, when he said, 
If any man, and he said unto them, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present yourself a living sacrifice. Jesus sacrificed himself on a cross and gave his life and rose from the grave in power and triumph over sin and death. He does not require our death, but he does require our life. What is that life supposed to be spent doing, Pastor? Being a disciple. Being a true follower of Jesus. Being yielded to him. Being led by him. Being committed to him. Why? Not because I have to. Not because I've been compelled to. Not because I've been prompted to. But because I have grown to love him so dearly that it is the essence of who I have become to walk with him and to follow him. I don't stay with him because I have to or because I've signed a contract. I stay with him and live with him because I love him and I want to be in his presence. My wife and I have been married over 30 years. I don't stay there and she doesn't stay. I hope she doesn't stay there because she has to. I don't stay there because I have to. I stay there because I want to be with her, because I love her. And a true follower of Jesus lives for God completely and wholly, not because they are compelled or because they've been held hostage or because it's what everyone in their life expects. They do it because they love Jesus Christ. May I conclude this morning by saying this as a church, we are not commanded to make converts, but disciples. If we stop at the convert stage, we have failed the commission. We are not called to make converts, but disciples. And if I must be a disciple to make a disciple. I ask you this morning, as you examine your own life and your own heart, if you're here and you would say, Pastor, I've, I've never entered into a relationship with Jesus. I've never repented of my sin and asked him to be my savior. Uh, may I say to you that you'll, this is a wonderful opportunity for you to have that happen in your life. You'll never regret it. It'll be a wonderful experience if you'll just come and understand why do I need Jesus? What has he done for me? How is that going to change my life? What is it? Uh, and if, if we, in just a moment, we're going to stand. I'm going to invite you to uh, leave your seat and to come. And if you would come this morning and say, Pastor, I need to know more about trusting Jesus as my Savior. When I die, I want to go to heaven and be in the presence of God. I would love to, to pair you up with someone that can take you to another room and show you from the Bible what God has said about knowing for sure that you have life eternal. Jesus said very plainly, and John the Apostle wrote it, uh, that uh, that <clears throat> these things have I written unto you, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. He doesn't want us guessing, wondering. He wants you to know. He paid a great price for you. He doesn't want you to miss because uh, you haven't learned or been taught. It hasn't been shared. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I know Jesus is my Savior, may I ask you what type of a disciple are you? Are you a disciple that simply has listened? Are you a disciple that listens and has learned? Are you a disciple that is somewhat living out your faith? Or are you a true biblical disciple that is seeking to listen to God intentionally, that is trying to learn as much as you can about walking with God and having God impact your life? And is God making himself manifest in your life? Because a disciple obeys. A disciple lives out what God has done in my heart. Are you living the truths that you've learned? Are you disciplined to, so, to follow him? Pastor, this is wonderful. I want to be a disciple maker. That's great. But it all starts with you becoming a disciple yourself. 
No one's interested in having you teach them how to live for Christ if you're not living for Christ. We must be real. We must be genuine. We must be authentic. Why? Because Jesus was. Jesus is authentic. Jesus is real. Jesus is powerful. Pastor, why do I have to do this? Because the one who has all power told us to. Because the one who has all power demonstrated that that's what our lives are to be invested in. Because the one who said, I have all power, said, I'll give you power to go in my name, if you will. Are you a disciple this morning? Would you like to be a disciple this morning? If you're here and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, I invite you to become a Christian this morning. 